1: Hello, and welcome to the show. This is Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm asking you to consider your culture as we peek into the culture of New Orleans. I found some census data that says that in 2020, 58% of Americans lived in the state that they were born. In 1940, 70% of Americans lived in the same state they were born. Staying in the same state that you were born certainly has pros and cons, as does leaving. Now we're each called to dig deep and make choices that resonate with who we are and what we want and what we dream out of this one precious life. In my mid-twenties, I started feeling a yearning to leave, to go elsewhere, to experience something different. I've learned so much about myself and my cultural upbringing after I left my home state. It's only really in experiencing different places and cultures that our own experience of our own culture clarifies. In the same way that we can't really know what it would be like to live on another planet in another galaxy, we can't really know what it would be like to live in another place. We might make more plausible assumptions about what it is to live in a different city or town instead of a different planet, but those are only assumptions until we actually do, if we do it, live in a different place. Our ideas are not the same as an experience. Bringing ourselves into experience makes experience a great teacher. I haven't talked a lot about growing up around New Orleans because it overwhelms me, honestly, because culture is a huge conversation. Culture is a huge player in who we are. We have the culture of our own family's psychological dynamics. The culture of our families is influenced by parental temperaments their gifts, their limitations, their maturity levels, their levels of involvement in our childhoods this creates the culture of our families. Whether we were homeschooled or attended public school or private school or private religious school, each has a vibe and might lean more positive and encouraging or punitive or competitive. If the culture of the school was small classrooms and more one-on-one attention, then that's what students in those classrooms experienced. If the culture of the school was overworked, burnt out teachers with overcrowded classrooms and low funding, anybody who experienced that certainly felt that and was impacted by that in ways both known and unknown, often unexplored. We have culture around food and music. We have different ethnic influences within our food, our music, our cultures, how we relate to one another. We experience a culture associated with our socioeconomic status. Half my family growing up was very wealthy and the other half was very poor. This was a blessing in my life to be able to have intimate relationships with these differences that showed me the different cultures from Poverty and from a more moneyed experience. I felt differently hanging out with my broke friends growing up than my moneyed friends. There were differences in the cultures. For many, many years now, we've studied and studies have shown and proven that the poor often have more happiness and more social skill, likely because you have to be creative and grow creativity muscles and self-entertainment. And in relating, because you can't just go buy an entertaining experience or spend money as the activity. Some places have an outdoorsy culture. I'm in Colorado now. That is an outdoorsy culture. Some don't. I moved here from Houston. That is the opposite of an outdoor culture. We stayed inside. It's too hot. There's not a lot of nature. Back when I was a kid, there was a culture of the age, the time that I grew up in. It's true for you too. I was an 80s and 90s kid in the deep Gulf Coast South. We were forced outside by the adults most days without much parental supervision. And we roamed the neighborhood. We interacted with kids, many other kids. This helped me grow social skills, helped me gain an independence helped me figure out how to do life. We also were now influenced by the culture of the places that we find ourselves online. I follow a lot of artists and entrepreneurs and authors and spiritually and psychologically wise people and comedians that I respect and admire. My online experience has a culture. We each are building through algorithms our personal internet cultures, and we immerse ourselves there now daily. We are truly surrounded by culture. I want you to let yourself look at culture considering your race and gender and looking beyond race and gender. It isn't helping mental health individually or collectively to overfocus on either race or gender which is experiencing its own cultural movement right now. Race and gender are merely a part of the cultures of who we are. It's not our everything, y'all. Over-considering race or gender becomes quite limiting and disregarding of the fullness of what it is to be a human being. Consider the myriad of cultures that we each are raised in and you will have a deeper, richer understanding of what shaped you into who you are today as well as a richer and deeper understanding and consideration of others that may be similar or very different to you. And that's not a threat. Understanding culture, that we're surrounded by culture, the culture of Hollywood has influenced us Understanding culture will help you navigate yourself, people and the world. It's an avoidant idea that we aren't affected by the stuff of culture. None of us are above being influenced by the cultures that we are immersed in, whether we acknowledge those cultures or not. Of course we're affected. I'm affected if I don't eat lunch. How about you? What was happening around me, especially as a highly sensitive, observant child, absolutely helped shape me into who I am. As I share my story, see how you relate and how you don't. Consider the cultures that have touched you, impacted, and influenced you. One of the reasons that I wanna talk more about where I'm from and culture in general is because I've realized the older I've gotten that one of the great blessings of my life is having experience and access to cultures that had nothing to do with me. I've been in gay bars in New Orleans where women were not allowed. I've been the only white person at many black events. I intentionally went to parts of the French Quarter where I thought a scary ex would not venture into the culture of, so that I could escape and not be found. I've been embraced by different people, different groups in ways that have so enriched my life. I'm increasingly concerned that the current culture and climate of talking about race in such literally black and white terms, acting as if some people have a right to talk about culture and some don't, and calling the sharing of culture appropriation, making it seem wrong or bad to share culture with others, to make any of this sharing wrong I believe, does a great disservice to everyone of every race and every culture and brings more of a walking on eggshells vibe, more anxiety around relating and learning and growing and expanding than is helpful or useful. We get to unite over our cultural similarities and differences across the board. Our differences are beautiful. They're wonderful. They're interesting. They're part of what makes each individual, and our collective differences really neat and interesting, enriched, full. I'm going to be talking about this more all year. Today, I just want to wet your whistle. I want to get you interested in considering the cultures you've experienced, ones you might want to check out and experience, what your insights and observations show you about who you were, who you are, and help you make empowered choices on who you are becoming, what you would like to experience for yourself or your family to help you gain a more well-rounded human experience. In some ways, even though Chris and I are both of Italian descent, he's from New York and I'm from New Orleans. He's a northerner. In Louisiana, we will call him a Yankee. I'm from the South. We have differences. It's hysterical and funny, enjoyable and light. When these differences come up, it's a way to really look at how different growing up in a different place can make us. And we don't even know it until the moment that we do. I left my hometown and state when I was 29 years old. So my full development happened in Southern Louisiana. Now I've hesitated to talk a lot about Louisiana and my upbringing there because my honest perception of Louisiana is it it's a strange place. It's wild and it's mystical. And using that word even reminds me that there's the rapper named Mystical who is from Louisiana. Louisiana is a crazy, beautiful, rich, complicated, sometimes dark, sometimes empty place for me to have grown up. As an adult in my mid-40s now, I have some really strong mixed feelings about my New Orleans upbringing, and I'm aware that lots of people who have never and will never live in Louisiana or New Orleans, it's a tourist destination. People who visit there tend to hold such a love for New Orleans, Honestly, I've never seen anything like it. My husband's from New York, probably the second place beyond New Orleans that I would say people have a sort of magical connection to or idea of when they haven't lived there. Chris has observed it when we're meeting new people and they ask me where I'm from originally and I say New Orleans. It's not subtle. Almost across the board, I get this glazed over look from people with a with a warm smile. They seem to drift away into their memory. And they usually say something to me along the lines of, oh my goodness, I just love New Orleans. I mean, dripping with love and affection in their tone, their voice, their, their face, their words, their body language. And I can see it and I can feel it as, as an intuitive that they're reminiscing about that one time many years ago, maybe in college that they came down to Mardi Gras or they came down to French Quarter Fest or they came down to Jazz Fest and they partied like it was the end of the world, like it was 1999. They partied like they would not live to see another day. It's an amazing place of, of such escapism that you get to sort of escape who you are. It's not just in Mardi Gras that we mask. There's a certain way that you can get lost in New Orleans. It's why many celebrities have bought properties there and kind of melted into the French Quarter or the uptown scene because we allow people to hide. I've been in many a late night bar and seen celebrities and the culture of where I'm from is that we leave them alone. We let them do their thing very different than a Miami vibe, very different than an L.A. vibe.
0: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast.
1: I put myself through school as a French Quarter shot girl, and then I was a bartender. I've had thousands, that's no exaggeration, thousands of conversations with tourists from all over the world who would get drunk and real with me standing at my bar. Falling in love and being mesmerized by the magic of New Orleans is part of the culture of where I'm from. I love that about New Orleans. Part of what's been hard to speak about about coming from there is that I usually relate to you in, in what's similar. And if I talk about New Orleans, I f- do feel a little sheepish because the realities of growing up there that I have only realized after leaving the state is that people in other places have a very different upbringing. My, I hope and my intention is that by me sharing what might sound wild, or fantastical, or bizarre, or downright wrong, illegal, and criminal, you will both be entertained by and will take away that experience. All of experience, not just good, positive experiences, all of experience has been my greatest teacher. I am an experiential theorist as a therapist. I am a believer that Experience is the richest teacher that we can have. I can tell you stuff. I can tell you facts. I can talk to you about studies. But what I hope to impress upon you is that what will enrich your life is you experiencing more life, not thinking about more life. When people compliment the show, or if they work with me one on one, or they've taken one of my courses that they found really useful and helpful. I often get complimented about how effective I am at helping people make sense and make good mental health decisions that help heal and expand them. And I know deep down that it's only partly my education. And my education was stellar, it really was. But the biggest part of who I am as a human being, but also as a therapist, as as an empath, as an intuitive, as a healer, comes from what I've experienced, all of it. I've had some very ridiculous and beautiful experiences. And a great blessing of my life is the ethnically rich experience of my Louisiana upbringing. I hope by sharing some of my wilder experiences that it helps you find your own permission to not repeat some of the off-the-wall things that I've done that I would never repeat, but that in sharing Something comes together for you to culminate in a permission for you to give to your own self, to consider and lean into the possibility of growth and expansion that comes from experience. Everything that experience means. That's why travel is such an enriching experience. We actually experience different cultures and it expands us. It changes us. It grows us. Not just the kind of highbrow experiences that we intend like a month abroad. Not just the experiences that look amazing on Instagram or Pinterest. Not just experiences like attending a yoga retreat or a live workshop like I may offer one day soon. I am who I am because of my culture. The good, the bad, and the ugly. To be clear, before I move on, I want to read a definition of the word ethnic. It doesn't only mean race or black or brown. Ethnic is defined as large groups of people classed according to common racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural origin or background. You are sharing a culture right now amongst the people where you live. To end this episode, I just want to have a little bit of fun with you and share some Louisiana and New Orleans-isms Language is so powerful. It's so beautiful. It's so rich. These are the words that make me feel warm. They make me feel that sense of home. Every time I hear them, every time I write them, every time I speak them, keep tuning in and I'll keep sharing about my Louisiana upbringing in more future episodes and what it's taught me, how it's grown me. I wonder about some of your cultural words, too. And I'm going to ask in the Patreon for y'all to share. What are the words that make you feel a sense of home? So the first word I want to share with you is "lanyap." The way you spell it is L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E. Now, the very first time that I decided to work for myself, I hung the proverbial shingle and I named the very first iteration of my therapy business. And it was named Lanyap Therapy. Lanyap means a little something extra. It means a baker's dozen. You know how if you go get donuts or cupcakes or something, a baker's dozen is 13. It's that little something extra beyond that dozen that's typically 12. I have such warm memories of going through the lunch line in elementary school in New Orleans. The lunch lady all hair netted up, moving kids through the line. And this is what you would hear as a kid in New Orleans. Hey, baby, how you doing? With a scoop in her hand of potatoes or spinach. You want a little lanyard, baby. And I'd smile and go, yes, ma'am, thank you. That's how we show love. It's a way to be in the experience of, I see you, I'm smiling at you warmly. And because you're a person in front of me, I'm going to make you feel loved and taken care of. I'm going to give you a little extra. It is such an endearment. That's why I named my first therapy practice Lanyap Therapy. I wanted to embody that. I wanted to give a little something extra. Do you know the word buku? Buku? It's from a combination of French and Haitian influence, and it just means a whole lot. So if you left a Mardi Gras parade where they throw tons of throws, beads, cups, spears, panties, I mean, all kinds of things, doubloons, you would leave a parade and have all your bags with you full up of stuff that you caught at the parade. Somebody might say, well, how'd you do? What'd you get? Oh, I got beaucoup. Got so much. Now, my husband had a cultural problem with this when I took him to Louisiana. If you go visit and you go in any restaurant, I don't care if it's a fancy restaurant, I don't care if it's an absolute hole in the wall, but if you order any kind of sandwich or po' boy, po' boy is one of them, that that started as poor boy, which just meant slapping bread together with something in the middle, and it was dubbed a meal for a poor boy. Hence, po' boys were born. So if you get like a fried shrimp po' boy, it's going to be on French bread, which is like baguette. If you order, this is what Chris struggled with. So if you order a sandwich, I mean, every single waiter or waitress in every single restaurant in Louisiana will ask you if you want it dressed. I had no idea till I left that everybody everywhere in the world didn't ask you if you wanted your sandwich dressed. And that just means lettuce, mayo, tomato, and sometimes pickle. You got to ask about the pickle. Chris would just look at me puzzled like, why are they asking if the sandwich is dressed? It's our language for it. And we all know it when we grow up there. It's a way we feel connected to each other, to have these little phrases. The other thing that culturally happened in restaurants with my husband, Chris, who produces the show, is that he would order a shrimp po' boy, He'd deal with the dressed question and then he would say, add cheese. Y'all, I cannot tell you how many people looked at him, how many servers, and just said, no. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean, no? And I would try to explain it like this Look, this is a foodie town. Our entire industry is tourism and food. When you come, whether it's a restaurant or Somebody's personal kitchen in their house, and you add to the order something like cheese on the sandwich, that's not how the chef intended it. We do not put cheese on po' boy sandwiches. We don't. And culturally, we see it as an insult that you were trying to change the sandwich, an insult to the chef. Now, there is a beef with New Orleanians and people from New York. Because New Yorkers do not play people-pleasing like we do in the South. So New Yorkers come to New Orleans, I know as a bartender, and they want things their way, and they know how to speak up, and they know how to be direct. It's one of the things that I love about my husband. It's one of the things that didn't work for me very well with Southern men, that they didn't like how bold I was, how direct and he loves it. So I'd watched him get into these little mini beefs and misunderstandings with waitstaff. <laughs> He's still upset about that to this day. Not really, but we like to laugh about it. So there are all these little cultural differences that we might not even know until we see somebody that's outside of our culture trying to experience Faborg is another word I've only ever heard in Louisiana, in the States. It means suburb. F-A-U-B-O-U-R-G. I lived in the Marigny that is officially called Faborg Marigny, which is next to Faborg Treme. Now, you might know Treme because there was an HBO show years ago about the Treme neighborhood. Grigri is one I use a lot. It is one of my favorites. If you know me personally, if you've worked with me personally, and I think of you, I often will put a hand in my heart and send you some good Grigri. It's spelled G-R-I-S, G-R-I-S. It comes from good voodoo, that Haitian influence in New Orleans and Louisiana, And it's just in reference to a good luck charm called gree So when I say to someone I love, oh, yeah, I'm going to send you that gree It's like I'm sending you good vibes. I'm sending you good luck. I'm hoping, I'm intending that you get the job or the promotion. It feels like pure love to me. We also say make dodo. That's what I heard growing up. My grandparents would say that to me. My mom would say that to me. We would say this to dogs and pets. I can remember one of my grandmothers telling her small poodles, Time to make dodo. We have to go make dodo. D O D O. Dodo. It comes from the French dormir, which means to sleep. And so we make dodo. We make sleep. We use make in a way that no one else in the in the country does we also tend to say i'm going to go make groceries now i don't so much use that one that one just didn't stick with me but it's one from my hometown so we make dodo and we make groceries we don't buy groceries we make them shotgun house looking at houses when i was renting before i bought my home up here in colorado Chris and I would look at homes and I'd make some offhanded comment like, oh, no, I don't, I don't really want this. This is kind of like a shotgun. You go, what the hell are you talking about? Now, I've heard two interpretations of where shotgun houses come from. The style of house having West African or Haitian roots, it's a long house where if you open the front door and you open the back door, you can basically see from the front door out the back door. That's to get breeze all the way through the house, which makes sense in climates that are hot as hell, y'all. It's also true. And part of the lore of this term of shotgun homes or houses is that you really can fire a shotgun into the front door and out the back without hitting a wall, hitting a thing. Connected to this phrase, there's also some history that it might be from a West African word shogun s h o g u n which means God's house, so that may be another influence that formed this term where you at now that's spoken as one word. It's like where are you at, but faster and more smushed together than that where you at? I use this one a lot if you're my friend, you are liable to get a text message from me that just simply says Where are you at' If I see you and haven't seen you in a long while, I'm liable to give you a hug and go, oh my God, where where you at? It's a standard universal greeting. And it doesn't mean where are you? It doesn't mean I'm asking you where you are physically. It kind of means, hey, what's up? How you doing? And the right answer to, hey, where you at? Is I'm doing all right. I'm doing mighty fine. You mom and them. We say that as one smushed together word, slowed down. It is technically your mom and them. It's just a a slangy way that has developed to see someone and ask, how's your mom and them? It means, how is your mom and your whole extended family? Part of the culture of Southern Louisiana is very, very strong in family. I have known generations of certain families that have all lived on the same street. It is very, very common to buy a home next door to your mom, next door to your grandma. I have an uncle right now that is still in my great-grandmother's house. So it's common when you're asking about how's your family to ask about your mom. It is a very mom-centric place. It's particularly Culturally, why it was additionally hard for me to go no contact with my mom. Here's another one of my favorites that I very often use, and I use it without thinking, it'll just slide right out of me. And I love that. That means it's part of the fiber of my being. That's what happens with culture, and it becomes who we are. It's why we have such a cultural pride in different ways. Yeah, you right is an is an exclamation of happiness. Kind of means right on, or I agree with what is going on here. So the example I want to give you of where you might hear a Louisianian say, "Yeah, you right." Let's say you are in a bar. I'll even get specific about the bar. How about Old Miss May's uptown? Now I've spent many a night in my young twenties in this bar till the sun came up. And yes, that is part of the culture that I grew up with, starting to go to bars at 16, which for my age range, it might be a little different now in 2024, was very normal to start going to bars as a teenager. I had no concept that other adults in the United States were not having that experience and were genuinely not typically going into a bar till they were 21 or at least 18 Till COVID, it was the culture of New Orleans to be open 24 hours, 24-hour food, 24-hour bars. So if you were drunkenly dancing at 4 a.m. with a stranger in a bar named Miss Mays, the random patrons of the bar may turn away from the bar, watch you dance, smiling, so happy. They may salute you and cheer you on, nodding their heads in approval, And you are likely to hear a whole lot of, yeah, you write as the comment to two people in the bar, getting up and dancing together jovially. How does it feel for me to share part of my culture with you? What does it feel like to have me share some of the intimate words from my culture with you? Part of why I believe that I'm good at connecting with people is not just who I am, who I was born, my temperament. It's that Southern culture, particularly that Southern Louisiana culture. There's a warmth, there's an openness. Part of our culture is that, part of my culture is that if I let you in my home, I know how to make you feel very welcome, very warm. Now I've had to work with that to not go into people pleasing territory but that is something that I believe I will love and cherish all the days of my life. What is your culture, all the different cultures you've been in? What has it shown you about you? What has it taught you about how to be in the world? Where is it useful? Where is it maybe not? What do you feel when I share with you Are there ways you would like to share some of your culture and learn how to to own that, step into the ownership, shame-free, guilt-free, stress-free? Sharing your culture with others, being connected to your culture has nothing to do with putting down anybody else's. If you want more experiences to broaden your cultural understanding, go after it. That is available for you. Thank you for holding space for me. Thank you for allowing me to... Share more intimately part of where I come from, part of who I am. Now more than ever, we ask you to share the show. I'll talk about it maybe on the Patreon, maybe later in an episode, but we are getting knocked out by some explicit categorizations of our show. And I have worked very hard over the years to keep it very clean so that it wouldn't be limited in other countries and limited by parental controls, so that the people that want what I'm sharing have access to it. Thank you so much for sharing the show and helping work all those funky iTunes algorithms and helping us get past the limitation of being dinged as an explicit show. Remember to find Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts. We're proud to be part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. I am an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. And I'll see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Till then, take care. Bye-bye.
0: and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.